Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, April 14th edition of Bang the Book Radio. My name is Adam Burke. Going to chat for a while here with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Just going to talk about a bevy of different things here on today's show. As you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the Sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. And of course, with the NFL draft coming up here, all the different sports books out there in the business with different odds, different lines, different offerings, stuff like that. So over at bangthebook.com, check out all of our sports book reviews. See if you find a book that you want to belly up with here for the NFL draft and for when sports actually do return, because that will happen here at some point in time. Then you'll be all set up, good to go, hopefully with some winnings here from the NFL draft. But with that, we bring in Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian, how's it going today, man? All right, bud. How you doing? Uh, you know, I'm I'm hanging in there much like everybody else. I'm I'm just happy to do this with you on Tuesdays because it, it lets me know what day it actually is. You know what? The one thing is I'm still doing my radio shows. So I do uh, get out of the house for about I think, 20 minutes before the show, do the, do the radio shows, two hours, upload the shows, and bam, I'm home by 2.30. So I get out of the house at least uh, during the week for a couple hours a day. And, the, you know, the radio station's locked down. There's basically no one there and all the guests you do by phone. But the radio thing's been the only saving grace for me in terms of Oh, today's Wednesday or today's, you know, I, I, yeah, because if you're just sitting around, you can, you lose track of time. I mean, I missed, I had a big phone call I was supposed to make last week. Totally missed it. I'm like, what the hell just happened here? I'm like, I mean, you complete, you lose track of time. Yeah. Yeah, you really do. And I mean, the, the crazy thing is it, it's only been a month without sports. I mean, it, my God, it feels like an eternity. I, I've even joked. I've been calling last year 2019 BC before coronavirus because it, it feels like these, you know, three and a half months here have taken eight years. It's it, January was slow and I bitched and moaned about that. We didn't have anything going on. We had nothing to do. I went to Vegas for a week in February and the shortest month of the year kind of moved along a little bit. But my God, January and March have just dragged forever. It, it's I'll, gar- I'll guarantee you said this probably... Uh, how old are you? Uh, 33. Don't, don't sound like you're ashamed of that. Uh, no, I forgot. <laughs> well, okay, you're 30. So you probably said this at least 400 times in your life. See somebody on Monday go, how was the weekend? You go, too short. <laughs> no one's saying that ever again. <laughs> I mean, oh. I, the weekends are like, they're an eternity. <laughs> it's great. Uh. It's crazy. In any event, you know, we we joke leading up to the Super Bowl, the two weeks before the Super Bowl, about how, oh, my God, we just want this game played. We're kind of tired of hearing about it. They've broken it down from every possible angle. It feels like the NFL draft has become that this year, and it's still a week and two days away. And And You're right. I mean, it's funny because now you're sitting there going, and it was the one – it was the one saving grace we had once this thing started. Because, wow, we got something to talk about. And and literally, I mean, we're beating this thing to a pulp. Right. And and the thing of it is now, 
now is when we start getting all the news. Now is when we start getting the smoke screens and the, yep. the gamesmanship and all those kinds of things. And I mean, these markets are, are already pretty mature because a lot of sharper betters that got in on this early have kind of whacked some of these numbers around. Now some more public betters are kind of getting involved and invested and you know everything else. All the draft hoopla is really starting to come to a head now. But now we're going to really start getting indications of, of what we think these teams want to do whatever they're telling us, whatever we think is real, whatever we think is fake. And Tua Tagovailoa is the big topic right now because, you know, again, we haven't been able to have these in-person workouts, these in-person meetings, this and that. We've had the virtual workouts and meetings and everything like that. And it seems like now at this point in time, some of these teams may be getting a little bit gun-shy about Tua and about where that hip is, about what the future prognosis for that hip is. All of a sudden now, we're starting to see things like Justin Herbert, the second quarterback off the board. We're starting to see things like Tua maybe going sixth or eighth, something like that, whereas we thought maybe he could go third or fifth. And again, we still have nine days until this thing actually goes. I I don't know. I kind of feel validated by that. I don't know that it's going to happen, and I ain't rooting against the kid. And he, he could, hey, it wouldn't shock me, just the draft and the nature of the beast. Somebody does something insane and went up and this kid, they made a deal with the Bengals and he went first overall. That's, you know, but I've been sitting here literally right about the time you were talking about, okay, we got the draft. I mean, and I've been saying this, no one else has been saying this. I'm like, isn't there an outside chance and maybe more than an outside chance that, hey, he was surrounded by NFL talent his whole, he was a terrific college quarterback. Is it an absolute guarantee his game translates to the NFL? You could say that about every one of these kids. But that injury, isn't isn't there the chance that, you know, through no fault of his own, that this guy just drops like a rock? And no one's even even floating out that out there. You know, and hey, someone's going to say, well, he fell in our lap, and maybe and he goes on and he has a great career, so be it. But you can't be missing with top five picks. Because it sets a franchise back for a decade. And I just got to believe that they're – and oh, by the way, what, what are we looking at? Virtual workouts. They can't get their, their hands on the guy physical-wise, right, to see – make sure every they're taking Nick, uh, lose, uh, Nick Saban's word and, you know, all these doctors. And I don't know. It just seems to me like isn't there the chance he could drop? I mean, and maybe drop significantly? Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like that is a pretty realistic possibility here. And, I mean, now, you know, you're kind of seeing some of these things of, well, could the Bengals actually pass on Joe Burrow? Would Miami, if they don't want to take Tua, actually put together a package with all the picks that they have to go and get Burrow? And, I mean, obviously that would kind of throw the first round for a loop, sort of move a lot of things around, stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, all of this is speculation and all we have is time to speculate here, you know, with no other sports going on. This draft market is going to really move around a ton. And I think about it a lot like the politics market, you know, uh, whether you like Trump or you don't, you know, four years ago, watching the election market out there offshore, it was fascinating to me to see what was happening in real time with Trump going from this sizable underdog to the line coming down, coming down, coming down, to all of a sudden by you know, 6, 30, 7 o'clock becoming the favorite out there in the market to actually win the election. 
we're probably going to wind up seeing something similar here with the NFL draft where I don't think what these, you know, mock draft nicks or, you know, these evaluators or anything like that, I don't know how much weight that's actually going to carry when we can look at the betting markets as our frame of reference to see what's actually going to be happening. And that's going to start taking place now over the next several days as that sharp money gets invested. That's your best mock draft is the offshore market, I think. Yeah, but I will say this. I mean, I, I think like anything, there's good opinions, bad opinions. And a lot of this stuff is just throwing darts because all it takes, you know, all it takes is, uh, you know, one Mike Mayock going up and doing, you know, doing something crazy off the board in the top five or, you know, one pick sets the whole thing ablaze because all of a sudden different guys are dropping down that weren't there. All of a sudden, uh, if a wide receiver goes way earlier, maybe there's a run on the wide receivers and, you know, you get the second round becomes intriguing because you look at some of the unbelievable talent that drops in there, but it's one or two quirky, just quirky selections that set the whole things ablaze, or one trade that someone goes up to guarantee they're going to get a guy, and then all of a sudden two or three other teams go, man, well, we we had this guy so high on our board we can't not take him, even though everybody had them penciled in to take a certain guy. The whole thing goes awry. One pick. One quirky pick has tentacles throughout the whole thing. It does. And also, too, you know, one headline-grabbing kind of story of, you know, somebody hears this, whether it's complete BS or not, we we don't know. You know, I mean, we can, we can formulate our own opinions about it, but over the next nine days, with mainstream sports media just desperate to get as much traffic and as many clicks as possible, a lot of things are going to be floated out there. And even the ones that seem the most outrageous, the most unlikely to be true. I mean, we're all going to over, you know, overreact to that because what else do we have to do? And that's going to be happening here. I mean, look, I understand that there's probably a lot of opportunity to get betting value out there in the draft. And there are a handful of things that I've put some small risk wagers on just to just sort of validate either things I've written about or, you know, kind of have some skin in the game here for this first round. But there's going to be a lot of money moving out there in the marketplace. Some that's informed, some that isn't. Some that's going off of what's being written out there. I, it's it's the wild, wild west, man. It, it's going to be crazy to watch this thing unfold. Well, yeah, I'm telling you, I look at number three, Detroit. I now you know, something whack a mole stuff could happen up top, but I, you you got to look to me. If Washington says, "No, nah, listen, Young's the best player in the draft." We're taking them no matter what. We'll entertain offers, but we're we're taking them. At three, the Lions could drop down conceivably two or three or four spots or three spots and still get the cornerback Okuda and get a bevy of picks for moving down a couple. So I think the number three pick is just so polarizing. You know, and then like you were saying, the diff disinformation and the smoke screening, now all of a sudden it comes out a day or two ago. Hey, the Lions are uh, doing all these interviews with the quarterbacks in the draft. And I'm like, well, eh, probably a smokescreen. But then, then you're thinking about it. I know the cap issue is a real issue. But, I mean, they got capologists. Maybe they could figure something out. But I'm sitting there going, all right, would the Lions really entertain something like that? Would they, if, they, if they went nuts and took the quarterback, and then you sat there and go, well, wait a minute. They're not 
that far away, but they're not that close either. And the Patriots spend their entire, uh, you know, Belichick's entire M.O., his whole career is trade down and get a boatload of extra picks. But he's got, with all the compensatory picks, he's got three-thirds, I think. Um, what if the Patriots, you know, all of a sudden made a call to the Lions and said, and it would probably won't happen because of the debt money with the cap. But I, I'm just saying, the first thing my brain went to, and you have to have that outside-the-box thinking, I think, it'd be, well, wait a minute. All of a sudden, the Patriots have Matt Stafford at quarterback, and the Lions go way down. They get their first. They get their first next year. They get two-thirds from them this year. They get, like, an army of stuff and and take a kid. Well, they, they take a quarterback at three. But then they trade Stafford to the Patriots and get another one this year and two threes. You get a quarterback of the future and a bevy of stuff, and Patricia has a relationship with Belichick. And I'm just making this stuff up on my own. But it's like, is it crazy? No. I mean, I, at this point, I don't think anything's crazy. I don't think anything is off the table for any of these teams. I mean, you know, what if what if Miami does go ahead and, you know, they wind up taking a quarterback here or something like that? You know, does, does New England use Ryan Fitzpatrick as a one-year stopgap? And, and what would the cost of that be? You know, probably a later-round pick, something like that. At that point in time, all of us are kind of looking at New England saying, well, maybe they go ahead and take Jordan Love. Or, you know, maybe they go ahead and take a quarterback on day two, something like that. If they get an NFL-proven commodity already, they're not going to take a quarterback. So does Belichick go ahead, start moving down, start, you know, maybe positioning himself for a run to get somebody in 2021, something like that? There are so many moving parts here, so many creative and intelligent and intellectual front offices out there that it's one big reason why, and, and, you know, maybe shame on me for not being willing to gamble with, you know, nothing else to really gamble on. It's one big reason why I'm not going to overexpose myself with this draft, because I just think given what's going on out there, the fact that we don't have these in-person visits and physicals and workouts and all that, that already throws a lot of variance into this draft. But the fact that you've got the expanded playoffs, the fact that you don't know exactly how many games you're going to wind up playing this season. There's just, it's such a high variance environment across the board here that, you know, as much as I probably shouldn't be saying this is a betting show and as a site trying to generate and create content, I'm just not going to be, you know, that invested in the draft financially, but obviously from watching it from season win totals and stuff like that, I'll be tuned, you know, very tuned in. Well, the one thing that's historical is it's a quarterback league and, it's funny, he was like the wow guy, the now guy, the buzz guy a month ago, and then all of a sudden, nothing. And all of a sudden, it's back, is how polarizing is this Jordan Love kid going to be out of Utah State to bet over the quarterbacks in the first round? So, you know, if, if two had dropped, someone, he ain't getting out of the first round. Somebody go, you got to be kidding me, he's there. But Love's kind of the now guy gaining steam again. And... Believe me, uh, Jalen Hurts is not outside the realm of possibility. Jalen Hurts to the Patriots makes sense. You know, okay, you know, it is what it is. It's life after Brady, and so now you got Stidham and Hurts, and 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 they work work in that regard and see who is the guy. Uh, or they, you know, they've seen more of Stidham than we have. What do the Patriots actually think they have with Stidham? 
you know, there's a guy who's like the real wild card. We're not sitting there watching practices and knowing how good he was and how much he learned by, from Brady by the end of the year. Yeah, I, I don't know. I again, I mean, it's it's just such a high variance environment, and, and I'm sure that you and I will have a lot more to talk about with regards to the NFL draft next Tuesday. With again, a lot more news coming out, maybe some more clarity, maybe not, maybe some more smoke screens going on out there. How um, about this one? I I I, I posed this question to I believe no, I was one of the one of the odds uh, sportsbook directors. I, I'm not sure, uh, but I, I floated this out. And the answer was no, it probably wouldn't happen. But could you imagine, because they, they could get taken out at the knees, but what, what do you think the handle would be with 10 minutes between picks, and if there's a trade, it would be 20 minutes between picks conceivably. Could you imagine in-game live wagering on the first round of the draft that those props and those things that are up there and those numbers are moving as the draft went along I, the, the the handle i think would be astronomical absolutely yeah for sure i mean because I mean, this is probably going to be the highest rated draft ever in terms of people watching it because the hell else are we going to watch you know so you're gonna have a ton of people that are invested in this thing you know but by just sitting there on the couch watching it and if they had the opportunity to live bet it, and maybe some of the offshores will offer that. I, I imagine that that's something that probably will pop up at some of these places here. Uh, but, you know, obviously, you know, Vegas is a little bit more difficult to get those things, you know, through the gaming commission and whatnot. But, it would, yeah, it, it would be insane. And especially when you consider the fact that, you know, again, you've got people with money in their accounts just burning a hole in their pockets. And this is the perfect storm to do it and to try something like that out. Maybe this, you know, maybe this draft serves as sort of a guinea pig for future drafts, even in a more normalized, you know, environment and society. I mean, maybe this is just something now that winds up getting this amount of love, this amount of handle, just as a general rule. There's no doubt about it. I I think uh, I love the draft, and I'm thrilled with the move the Bills made to get Diggs. But there's just something weird when when when, you, when that happens and you're not involved in it. It's like a punch to the gut because you want to be involved in it. So it's weird. I think it's, it's going to be so cool, and I'll, I'll enjoy the hell out of it. But it sucks when your team's not involved. I mean, I'm, I'm believe me, the, it was the right move. It was a great move. And that pick is basically Stefan Diggs. But all this talk about something coming up when your team's out of it, I mean, if you're a Bears fan, yeah, hey, it's great. Yeah, you got the Khalil Mack thing. The air's been out of the balloon for a couple of years on that front. Well, and again, too, I mean, we're going to have situations here over the next nine days where there's probably going to be a different buzz player every single day. You know, somebody who's getting a lot of headlines. Lately, it's been Tua and the, the possibility that he could move down. You've got people with Isaiah Simmons going anywhere from fourth to tenth. He's kind of that buzz guy. The They label, they label him a linebacker, but he's kind of a hybrid play everywhere type of guy from that Clemson defense. You're going to start to see... These different offensive tackles, too, are going to be talked about a lot. Got, Tristan Wirfs, probably the first one off the board, but Jedrick Wills could also go maybe four to the Giants, something like that. Mekhi Becton from Louisville is the athletic project guy, and there's always one of those that, you know, sort of a polarizing figure at offensive line. Uh, Andrew Thomas, you know, a week ago, Andrew Thomas was going eighth or tenth or something like that. Now you've got Mox where he's going 14th 
or so. There's going to be different buzz guys day in and day out that are going to move up or down based on somebody's opinion. And again, that will probably be reflected out there in the wagering markets as well. So again, keep an eye out for that every day. It's going to be a different guy that gets a whole bunch of headlines, a whole bunch of stories, and that rush for people to be placed first on Google News. It's it's the one thing's going to get us through this for a little bit. And then, you know, we're watching the curve coming down, but still all the scenarios on all the other sports, you know, Adam, we, we're just, you know, cutting to the chase here. You know, what is life going to be like? No fans for sure when, when sports returns, but then there's going to be just the, the, the overview of this whole thing. You know, what's the mindset and the belief of the NBA and the NHL if they indeed are going to find a way to finish this? Uh, is there going to be the willingness to actually soldier on? And I, I wouldn't even say if. I would say, will they will they soldier on when a player or a staff member or something with, you know, a team tests positive? I think... You know, I think we got we're at ostrich with our head in the sand to think that wouldn't happen if sports returned. So if they're unwilling to say, okay, that you know, poor individual tested positive, test everybody else and keep going, or is it oh a guy tested positive, game over? If if that's their mindset, don't even bother, right? Just shut it down, and hopefully we start everything back up in the fall. But that mindset is going to be interesting uh, on all fronts. Well, and speaking of the fall here, you know, and I just saw, in fact, it, the news broke a little bit before the show here that the University of Cincinnati is immediately stopping its men's soccer program. You know, and, and we're going to start to see this with a lot of schools out there that are just worried about running out of money because, you know, that we didn't get that financial windfall for these colleges and universities from March Madness. We got a lot of questions about the upcoming college football season. And you mentioned the fall, and we've got all this stuff out there for the NFL, win totals. We got head-to-head win total matchups, which I wrote about yesterday over at bangthebook.com. We've got conference futures odds. We've got games of the year. Uh, I know Bet Online, for example, has got you know all 16 games lined for some of the teams that are out there. They have all the games lined for a school like Syracuse, stuff like that. But We don't know if fans are going to be in attendance. We don't know what the schedule is going to look like, if they're going to play a full schedule, all of that. But the big one is the fans thing, because that dictates home field advantage in a lot of ways. And we're going to have this fundamental discussion of how do you calculate home field advantage? What part of it is the travel? What part of it is, you know, the venue and the different setting? What part of it is the actual fan base being there? And I don't know what the answer to that is. And I know you posed that question to some sportsbook directors on sportsbook radio last week. And I mean, they didn't really know what to say either. I, <laughs> it's, it's such a gray area, man. And I, I mean, I'm watching the golf over the weekend. We, we can get to that now or whatever you want to, but just sports without fans and conceptually what that's going to be like. But what impact it's going to have on the number is going to be really intriguing. Right. And I mean, look, you know, I in the NFL, right, everyone kind of says that home field advantage is probably somewhere between two and two and a half points because, look, these teams, I mean, they travel in style. They travel you know, very, very well. 
Um, you know, they're not getting drunk on the airplane like they used to in the 80s and the 90s. So, you know, road games, not that big of a deal. The travel, not as big of a deal. But if there's no fans, I mean, is there any home field advantage built in? I think in college, obviously, you know, the fan bases, uh, you know, do dictate a lot of home field advantage, especially because you have some teams that are given four, four and a half, maybe even five points for their home field advantage. In the NFL, it's a lot more of a standard across the board, a much lower number than three. For some teams, the best, absolute best teams probably get three, a Seattle, maybe a New Orleans, something like that. But with no fans, I mean, does that level the playing field? Does it make it weird for everybody? What's that adjustment period like? I I don't know the answer to that. I, it'd be very hard for me to invest in a win total or a game of the year line knowing that that line's going to be different whether there are fans there or not. Well, if you wanted a, a suggestion in that regard, and again, you know, betting something down the road, I've had this discussion with a few odds makers, and I think they disagree with me. But if you sat there and said a, a, a football game, home field advantage is three points. So if a game was two and a half goes to pick or a game was three goes to one, okay, great. But I think the total should go up six points. And I've had a lot of guys, no, it wouldn't be correlated like that. Well, I think it would be. Because if you took a football team and they're on the road and they're not sitting there going over the den of 80,000 people, you're not going to get false starts. You're not going to get the problems of them audibling and, and the, the tough aspect of you know communicating at the line of scrimmage. I think the visiting offenses specifically would score uh, you know, over the sample size of a long season. I think you'd see road team scoring go up mightily. And I, I think it should impact uh, – uh, it, it should have a big impact on on scoring. I, I really believe that. Well, and if that's the case, then obviously there has to be some kind of correlation with home field advantage. I mean, if you expect road scoring to go up, and I tend to agree with you, I think it's a very fair point, much, much easier to communicate if you don't have to do it you know, over a bunch of loud fans, uh, especially you talk about dome settings or you know some of these colleges with 100,000 know, screaming fans there and 20,000 from the student fan base. I mean, that has to have a direct impact on home field advantage, right? Because if the road teams are going to score more, then, you know, by proxy, they should be more competitive in the game. Maybe you have a scenario where a team that's power rated as a road favorite anyway does end up having a pretty inflated price because what could potentially be an equalizer for that home underdog is no longer there. There would have to be you know, some sort of correlation there between if you think the road teams are going to score more and the total should be higher, then home field advantage maybe should be non-existent. Well, home field advantage would probably, it would still be a thing, but it would be diminished. It would be uh, sleeping in your own bed, uh, the other team's schedule and the routine of traveling. You know, I mean, there's still an element of an advantage. But for the most part, if you sit there and say, you know, Seattle and Arrowhead Stadium are just brutal places to go play because of the crowd, I mean, that's gone. If, if, if it comes to pass that way, I mean, and what what is that actual value? I think, I think you'd say Seattle and Arrowhead were probably worth three and a half, four points. Right. Yeah. I mean, I. Well, I get obviously deeper into the year and, you know, we'll see. I mean, a lot of people not expecting the college football season to start on time 
Maybe the NFL starts on time. Maybe it doesn't. Dude, you start playing these games into December and January and you know, who knows, maybe on even, on even into February, then weather becomes a very, very substantial factor where in some places it may still be, you know, 35, 40, something like that in December. In January or February, it may be 25 and miserable and blizzard-like conditions and all that. You know, maybe then at that point you do have something more of a home field at, you know, environment. Well, okay. But at the same I mean, time, the home team might not be used to that either, not used to playing in those conditions. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, the crazy thing is I, so many dome stadiums now, but depending who the teams are and where they're coming from at a certain time of year, I mean, Miami, forever a day, Miami going to Buffalo in December is just, you know, they were going to get mauled. I mean, that, that, stood, that one stood the test of time. So you take places like Buffalo, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. You know, if they're playing, if the schedule, if they didn't start on time, and you're talking about how big that advantage is when they're playing in the playoffs, we want to host games in January, you know, for the playoffs. What if they start late? So, so what if these teams are playing two, three games, you know, in those conditions at the end of the year? You would think it would be a big advantage for the home team. Yeah, you would think so. And and I mean, look, you know, since I'm a baseball guy, I'm I'm following closely along with that. If they do this Florida and Arizona thing, which I, I don't think winds up coming to pass, but you know, I mean, in Arizona, every ballpark will be an absolute launching pad in the summertime because it's hot and the ball carries in Arizona anyway. We know that. We see that from spring training. Florida, obviously very humid, very sultry. You know, that would be a different offensive environment as well. Then at that point in time, you start looking at it and saying, okay, well, there are some pitchers that will be a lot more affected by these conditions against others. Teams may opt to do things differently, maybe piggybacks, maybe more bullpen games, stuff like that to kind of minimize the exposure of, you know, some of their pitchers that struggle in these better offensive environments. It's it's just, obviously, it's a period of great uncertainty with life in general. But, man, the way that sports and betting in particular could be affected by some of these different plans, I mean, I, we may overthink some of this stuff when it comes to pass. We may underthink some of this stuff. We may not realize how much of an impact it could have. But all of us, betters and you know, odds makers and risk managers alike, we're all going to be facing the same difficulties and hardships with this. And yeah, it may just wind up being a several month case study of just how unpredictable all of this, you know, coronavirus fallout is across so many different walks of life. Well, it happened over the weekend. I can't stand watching things. I know the result of there's one exception and that's watching the masters. Uh, I watched the Mickelson Victory Saturday, I watched the Tiger Victory Sunday, I watched the Adam Scott Victory, I think, Friday night. I, the Masters, my favorite thing. So it was supposed to be this weekend. I just hunkered down, and I watched it, and and it was great. Remember a lot of it, but there were a lot of things you didn't remember. And I loved every second of it. But when the new PGA schedule came out, I had Jeff Sherman on from the Superbook, who does a great job with the golf odds. And you know me, bud. With the golf, I mean, I watch this stuff religiously. It doesn't matter what tournament it is. And the thing I kind of posed to him last week uh, was I can't wait to see golf without fans. 
which sounds nuts, but I think that stands to reason. Now, hopefully by November, I mean, there's fans there. But in the short term, when if golf comes back without fans, and I, pl- I, I cited this specific situation, and I'm screaming in my recliner on Sunday, go, there it is, there it is. It's the final round, and they're on number five at the Masters, dog leg left, toughest hole in the course, and Brooks Kepka, Francesco Molinari, uh, who was leading at the time, and, oh, it escapes me. Who was the other guy? There were three guys. Three guys in two pairings blocked it right. And I'm telling you, the ball's going like its hair's on fire, and that ball is OB. There were fans there. There were three guys that would have knocked the ball out of bounds on five if fans weren't there. I can't tell you how many bad beats. I had one last year where I bet C.T. Pan, like, all the time. And, of course, the week he wins at 100-1, to I didn't bet him. And it's like the fourth hole, I'm watching this thing. I go, I'm done. He's in the bunker, and he hits it, and it's to the right side of the green, and the gallery is to the left. But on the, this one green on number four, the ball's going like its hair's on fire, and there's a there's a massive hill and a and a pond behind it. Ball's go, ball's going in the water, uh, and there's a, a volunteer, a marshal, on that side of the green, all by himself, with a lawn chair and a bottle of Gatorade, sitting on the ground. The ball hits the bottle of Gatorade and stops hole high. He chips over, taps in for par. He's got to take a seven and be out of the tournament. But because it hits somebody, you know, we're going to see golfers be hitting from spots on green on courses in a million years. The course is actually going to play the way the course was designed. So now if some guy hits a double cross, it's a horrid shot. Instead of getting up there and it's only 15 yards from the green and up, oh, move the gallery back. And then the guy gets there, his ball's there. On a matted down portion of 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 you know the course, because the gallery's been walking on the guy gets up there and he's only twenty yards from the green with a great lie up and down, move on to the next hole. If there's no gallery, that double cross is going thirty yards from the green and going to be in cabbage. Guys are going to be taking doubles and triples and all kinds of crazy things going to happen in golf tournaments with no gallery. I can't wait to see it happen. Yeah, and, and I mean, hopefully that happens here in mid-June with the Memorial expected to be the first event back oh, here. Oh, the Memorial, that course? Oh, my God, that, you know how tough that course is and how Nicholas sets that thing up and the rough and the water and, oh, my God, I mean, there'd be carnage out there at the Memorial without fans. Well, and again, I mean, you know, that's going to have obviously a significant impact on how we handicap golf tournaments. You know, guys that don't spray it all over the place. You know, maybe guys that play fairways and greens, you know, guys that maybe don't hit it as far, but are going to keep it, you know, definitely in play, avoid being in, you know, that tall fescue or whatever else. You know, I mean, those guys may end up having a little bit of an advantage. So, you know, you're not going to have the the bleacher seating, as you mentioned, you're not going to have people, you know, lining the fairways and sort of trampling down some of these patches of rough. Yeah. That's going to make for a much, much different handicap. And, 
All I know, man, all I know is that I cannot wait for the days when we have a live event of actual gameplay to handicap with one of these major North American sports. Uh, it, it's going to be great intrigue. There'll be adjustments on both sides of the counter, for, I think, for all these sports. Um, oh, you, you just got me excited about the memorial. I'm, I'm just thinking about that. Oh, I, the thing that'd be nuts, the guy, I don't know that it would impact the winning score, like if they put the, you know, here, the projected winning scores 12 and a half under, because the guy that wins is playing great, you know. But, I mean, the carnage of guys. But I'll tell you one thing that will happen is that there'll be a guy that's got a two- or three-shot lead with four four or five. A three-shot lead ain't no three-shot lead with no gallery there. <laughs> you know? I mean, all of a sudden, oh, my God, did you see him spit the bit? Because doubles and triples are going to be out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it opens up live betting. It opens up that strategy that you love already anyway of taking a guy that's three or four shots back going into Saturday or Sunday you know, getting a better price than we saw pre-tournament or, like you said, I mean, how many times are you watching a golf tournament and you see a guy, you know, put one off of a tree that kicks back into the fairway or something like that, turns a, you know, what would have been a double or a triple into a par, you know, and then you kind of wind up looking for opportunities to fade that guy going into the weekend. Yeah, if you're watching closely and you see something where, you know, somebody gets spared by something or somebody doesn't get spared by something that would have happened, maybe that creates you know, some sort of, of betting opportunity with some in-tournament wagering. And again, like we talked about previously, you know, if they're trying to move some of these events along because you've got, you know, a smaller number of people or maybe you try to get bigger fields so these guys can actually make a paycheck. Like we've talked about before, what if we start seeing golf carts? How much does that help an older player or a player with, you know, maybe some back discomfort or something like that? You know, not having to walk six miles of a golf course every day for four days you know, again a lot of things that just that's, a, that's a good really, point we don't that's have a, a frame of reference for that are going to be new here once sports do get back yeah i mean that's another thing i think it, it, it is possible and i i said that is that uh you know coming back golf, golf carts could be part of the equation in the in the short term i doubt it but it's possible I mean, at this point, can, can we definitively say that anything is off the table across any league? I don't think so. No, and I think you have to have that kind of outside-the-box thinking. I mean, um, you know, a month ago, we're sitting here. We're doing this thing, right? It was a month ago, at least. Because I, I said it on my radio show. I know I said it to you. I mean, you know, b- before they were releasing what their plans were, I think the, the week before the NBA said they were considering Vegas on this thing, we said, what about sending these guys to the Greenland? What do we send these guys to Greenland? You know, you build a hockey rink uh, and send them all to Greenland. Well, okay, the neutral side. Now, NBA makes sense. All right. They've got the they got the, ring, uh, the gyms and the, the hotels. All right. Vegas makes sense for the NBA. Hockey kind of made sense here, could be done here, but they wouldn't do it and then – as they started massage the plans and what they're considering, North Dakota came into the equation. They wouldn't want, because it would be an advantage, Vegas would be here, would be home. So they want true neutral sites. So then the one that comes out of the woodwork, which makes complete and utter sense, was Buffalo for hockey. You've got the Key Bank Center and Caddy Corner right there, the Harbor Center that has two rinks uh, where they stage their developmental camp. You could plot the TV truck between the two, between the two arenas. You got 
three arenas in one fell swoop, playing game after game after game. Uh, all the players walk across the street. They've got the Marriott in the Harbor Center. They buy out the 716 Sports Bar Restaurant. You throw them a fortune, and there's the NHL's little world in the Eastern Conference. You plop every team right in there, all, three rinks, TV trucks, have at it. Believe yeah. me, if, if the NHL comes back, and, and the reason Buffalo's a big place, it, it makes complete and utter sense, Buffalo's not in the playoffs. So it is a true neutral site with all the NHL facilities and more in one spot. That that will happen. I can I'll guarantee you if hockey comes back, Buffalo is absolutely one of the neutral site locations. And it makes complete and utter sense. And it, well, it, it logistically the whole nine yards. But that doesn't mean, and this this is I come back to this, that doesn't mean they've got to come to grips with and will the players sign off on it that yes, let's do this. But if a guy tests positive, it ain't over. I mean, if you're not going to go in with that mindset, it's like it's us with what we're dealing with now. At what point do we say this thing's gone down to think it's going to completely go away? At some point, you got to get on with your life. So as long as they're willing to say, unfortunately, this guy tested positive, let's test everybody around him and the other team he's been playing against, and let's keep going. But if they say, oh, that guy tested positive, that's it, then don't even come back because, come on, you're, we're, it's a one-to-nine shot. Somewhere, someone is going to test positive. It's going to happen. It's, I mean, this thing is not completely going away anytime soon. No, I mean, it doesn't completely go away until there's a vaccine. And, and, and the big thing here is that, you know, look, I mean, there's a long period of time where this is a matter of public health, where it is a public health emergency so on and so forth, there's also going to come a point in time where it's going to be personal preference, personal responsibility. If you want to go out and take the chance of getting it, that's kind of on you. That's probably the point that we're going to get to here with what they're saying about, you know, reopening the economy and all this type of thing. And in fact, you know, I just saw that the National Film Association or something like that is starting to talk about, you know, a rollout for movie theaters in late June, early July, something like that. So, all of these different industries are starting to realize, yeah, we're running low on money. We got to figure something out here. And there's going to come a point in time where these players who live these lavish lifestyles are putting out a lot of money, whether it's mortgages or car payments or child support or God knows whatever else. These players are going to go to the leagues and say, we've got to start making money again. We've got to play because I don't have any money anymore. And when that happens, that's when that issue gets forced to where something like you're talking about, and I know that players aren't paid for the NHL playoffs, but they'll be able to take that revenue and sort of redistribute it to the players and, and whatever. Well, and, and are the TV going to come? It has. To. Well, and are the TV networks going to give give money back to the leagues because they're not going to get any gate, but the eyeballs are going to be through the roof and the ratings. The networks could make a killing. Will they give some money back to the leagues? The other thing we haven't talked about, and I think this is absolutely something that probably happens in terms of a transition. Hey, we're doing well. Uh, we're coming back. All right. It starts with sports with no fans. Then we say, okay, now we got to start opening this up to fans. I pick an arena, T-Mobile arena here, uh, maybe a football stadium. But for argument's sake, they come back, 
Vegas is playing in the Western. Well, they're playing neutral sites. It's a bad example. But but pick an arena in a sport when it comes back and the capacity in the arena is 18,000. Are they doing something where no one can sit next to someone? You know, when fans when fans come back, is it fans come back? But all of a sudden, an 18,000 seat arena, you got 8,000, 7,000 people in there. Because no one can sit exactly next to somebody? That's probable. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean, I, you know, do you go, do you force people to kind of sit every other row with multiple seats? I, I, who, who knows what it is, but that's probably going to happen. And, well, and how enforceable is that, too? You know, I mean, you're going to have people that just kind of move around and sit wherever they want anyway. Well, who gets you know? the tickets? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have no, as somebody who loves going to concerts, I mean, I go to a lot of concerts. Shit, I went to three concerts in the span of a week in the, or four concerts in the span of a week in the month of February. I mean, when do you get, you know, and these were smaller shows. These are more of an intimate setting. Um, you know, the couple of them were, you know, 2,000, 3,000 people. The others were, you know, less than 100 people, some, some smaller artists that I like. But do we get, you know, these massive arena concerts back at any point in time? If it's not safe for a concert, is it safe for a sporting event? I don't know. I, I have I, no idea what happens with any of this. And, and colleges are a big one. You know, I mean, you're not going to have students at sporting events when they can't live together in the dorms, you know? And, and if you have, let's say you've got a college football game, right? No fans in attendance. Who's keeping the fans from congregating and tailgating and uh, you know, watch hey, parties and whatever else? On a much no smaller scale, there's something that right now um, in Nevada, the governor, because some people moaned about it, shut golf courses down. And it was like, well, okay. And we know what the big, you know, there's a big picture in player. That's a golf course. I mean, really, who cares? But in terms of when you're thinking this stuff through, it's like somebody whined about it. So the governor then goes, I've seen pictures of all these golfers, you know, congregating. And like, uh, yeah, show me the picture. I mean, because you go out, you get an individual cart. You don't go anywhere near anybody else. You're waving to your friends, and you're out in the fresh air getting a little exercise in golf. Unless you're a complete idiot, you know, you wouldn't be near the people around you. But because somebody whined and peer pressure, blah, 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 they closed the golf courses. Now, I get it. Like, you know, believe me, get the curve down, want it all to go away. None of that's changed. But the truth of the matter is, it's 110 times more dangerous to go to the grocery store than to go out on a golf course outside all by your lonesome in a golf cart. Uh, you know, but it's even that mindset where you're getting tugged in all these different directions. And who, who's what are they going to say are the recommendations for crowds at games? I'm just, you know, it may be they can't be within 20 feet of each other. I mean, one day to the next, it changes. It does. It really does. And and I mean, you know, again, I from a sports betting standpoint, what the potential impacts are of this, I, I don't know. I mean, we're not going to have any quantifiable data whatsoever. A lot of it's just going to be subjective in nature. And that does create for, you know, kind of an illiquid market out there to the point where you're going to have a lot of different opinions from, you know, both the people taking the bets 
and the people making them. And until we see some of this play out, and even then, you know, the idea of, look, I mean, let's say that baseball starts again and you've got, you know, games at Tropicana Field and you've got games at Wrigley Field. Well, Wrigley Field's always packed. Tropicana Field, sparsely attended anyway. So do we sit there and say, okay, well, there's nobody at games at Tropicana Field anyway, so the home field advantage is roughly the same, whereas Wrigley always packed to the gills. Well, then we make a 25-cent adjustment to the Cubs at home. Does, does that make sense? Is that something that falls in line? Is that accurate? Who the hell knows? And we're never going to have a sample size big enough to know if it's correct or not. So I, I just want sports back so we can have these discussions without peer hypotheticals. But again, it's going to be a weird summer, a weird fall. And again, I mean, who knows how long this all extends? Well, you know, the one thing I'll take away from all this is I learned something today. Uh, you, you win a cookie for word of the day, illiquid, of assets not easily converted into cash, of a market with few participants and a low volume of activity. Well done. Well, dog can't learn well done. The word of the, we're going to turn this into the you know the Groucho Marx. You're too young. Remember the Groucho Marx show where who? if the it, yeah, <laughs> I know Real. I know who, I know who Richard Marx is. Does that count? Come on, <laughs> uh, the well I think it was you bet your life. Was that the name of the show? You bet your life. One second, real quick. Hold on. Yeah, I think it was it was Groucho Marx, and the name of the show was you bet your life, and he'd have all kinds of it was a game show. But if some, they had the word of the show, and if they said the word of the show, you know, like in, in the course of conversation, if the, if the person said the word, this duck would come down with the word and, and the guy would win a big prize. So there you go. We, we've turned our Tuesday podcast into You Bet Your Life. Really? Groucho Marx? Come on. Here's what I want. I want, on your two hours of radio today, I want you to lurk, work illiquid in there somewhere. Oh, I'll do it. Oh, no, I'll, no, I'll just flat out say, I was doing, I'll, promo, I'll promote the podcast and say, I, no, I, I, Bruce Marshall comes on. He, he throws, he throws all these big words out all the time. And I, and I do the same thing. Now that's a damn word. That's a word. And I go, I go immediately and Google and look it up and I, and I educate the listeners. Here's, here's the word of the day. I mean, and you, you, you just in, jumped into elite company. Yeah. See, I, I throw big words and sentences only because I know it sounds good in the sentence. I'm not necessarily sure exactly what it means, but I know it fits that <laughs> sentence because I've been around so long. Well, speaking of your two radio shows, one is Sportsbook Radio. The other is Vegas Hockey Hotline. How can people find those two programs, Brian? Noon to 2 a.m. 1400. Well, it's KSHP.com. And uh, all the Sportsbook directors... Many of the places are dark, but uh, talking to the guys about all the things we're discussing, things they're going to be working on when we get back. And then Vegas Hockey Island's a terrific hockey show. And we've had the good fortune. We've had great guests just because, you know, it's downtime and a lot of the guys are available. Uh, so if you're a hockey fan, that's a, that's a, it, it really is a fun show. There's never a bad day to talk hockey. I'm holding out hope. As we were doing this, I'm kind of communicating with the league offices uh, and he's come on in the past, and actually, he's really, uh, shockingly, a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm desperately, not desperately, but I'm trying to get Commissioner Batman to come on. Uh, and if I can get, I, I'm, I'm going through the layers here. I got the, got the right connections, 
Uh, I'm hoping. I'm hoping we'll get Commissioner Bettman here. He's always he's done it in the past, so I think it would be uh, cool to get an update from him. I know he he gave a little state of the union address maybe last week, but to dive into it a little deeper would be great fun, and I'm I'm hoping he'll do it. By the way, this morning the NHL extended the quarantine from April 15th to April 30th, which I don't think shocked anybody. Well, two quick things, I guess. The first is, if you get Bettman, are you going to play, you know, like a, a boo track so that he feels at home? No, I no, I've told. Oh no, no, he throughout the expansion process, uh, and I and I've made no bones about. You know, I mean, he was great, honestly, great. Uh, you know, getting the hockey team in Vegas, and like I said, I, he came on three, four times, and, and the one day he was down at the awards ceremony and. Uh, went down there after the radio show when he had been on and went down and talked to him for a few minutes afterward. And he was really gracious and said he enjoyed doing it. And, but I mean, the first thing I said to him is I, you know, I'll never forgive you for no goal ever. I mean, that series never ended, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, every, but the funny thing is that they, if you're a hockey fan and a passionate hockey fan and they're like, when he, when he comes here, well, they won't boo him. I go, the hell they won't. And you should. And he embraces that. That's that's the name. If you're in the league, you boo the commissioner. Because every team in the NHL has been scalded in some way, shape, or form in a playoff series uh, and, and has a stone in their shoe about something. And the Vegas fans, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, okay. Then you get the five-minute major against the Sharks in the second year of their existence. And, you know, welcome to the NHL, kids. Because <laughs> every got a series where you got pitched forked by a referee or a bad call well i saw something on twitter they were talking about since roger goodell is going to be uh you know running the nfl draft from his basement i saw somebody say that his family should boo him just so that you know he feels like <laughs> he's at home <laughs> no, in the process the, have the boo track or, or, or file footage of the when it was in new york with the crazy uh, jets and eagles fans in new york and then I guess the other thing, and I, I shouldn't open up this box because I don't want to take up too much of your time here, and I don't know how long we're going to keep going with this, but Florida announced yesterday that you know professional athletes would be considered essential employees you know, if something was to come to pass you know, in the Sunshine State, and maybe that means you know, a UFC event at the WWE Performance Center or you know, opening the door for Major League Baseball at these spring training sites. That could be an NHL outlet too. Now, obviously, it's difficult because you've got you know Tampa and Florida. You know, maybe well, Tampa's obviously in the playoffs, but you know, Florida with their situation, you know, who knows? It all depends on if they play more regular season games or not. But maybe Florida's an option. I I don't know. Absolutely, I, you, I, you just you got to be willing to think outside the box. You know, I, I'm convinced of the golf. They're scheduling it. And I think by the time, what, what was it, May, third week of May, I, I got to think NASCAR, without Kyle Larson, I think NASCAR will come back. What a dumbass. But, I mean, I think NASCAR, NASCAR can come back. It, it's, it's just crazy. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason to this stuff. All right? I mean, they're still building the Raiders Stadium, Allegiant Stadium. They're building this world resorts thing here in Vegas. And, oh, yesterday, uh, a fourth guy tested positive. Well, the construction's not stopping. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, 
there's that, not agendas, but it's like it's there's double, triple, quadruple standards for this stuff. You know, well, what's the right answer? I don't know what the right answer is, but at some point we got to get back to it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I completely agree. And again, I mean, the, the obvious hurdle for the NHL is, you know, are these guys willing to be away from their families for, you know, whatever duration of time? And I think if you jump right into the playoffs, the answer is yes, because you've got, you know, only about half of the league that actually has to be disrupted and move away from their families or take their families with them, whatever the case may be. And, you know, all of a sudden then you're playing for a title. Now you get a bone to pick if you're a team kind of on the you know fringes of the playoffs and you don't get that chance, but. I think if you jump right into the playoffs in the NHL or the NBA, which probably ends up being the case here, I think you've got players that are much more receptive to all of this. Obviously, baseball with all 30 teams at the start of a new season may be a little bit different. But I think the NHL and the NBA, I think logistically, we're, we're really not that far away from it. I just think that it's one of those things where if plans came to fruition, somebody's going to say, hey – let's kind of slow this down a little bit because we don't want people thinking it's okay for everyone to be out in the world now doing a bunch of stuff just because these leagues are coming back. I think sometime in May, we do get the NHL and the NBA playoffs without any leftover regular season being played. Uh, well, I don't know about May. Uh, I could see July for the NHL. I, I can't see but the do NHL. You, do you go from zero to 100 if you're a player? No. No, I think, well. I mean, I guess, does it matter if you go from March to May versus March to July? You know, from, well, from a physical wellness standpoint. Well, the the thing that's nuts, but I mean, these guys got paid or, or you know, they want to get paid. But the, what's the motivation for the Kings, the Ducks, the Sharks, the Sabres? The, you know, these guys come back to play, you know, eight, nine, ten games. Somebody gets hurt. They're not meaningless games, uh, but it, for them to do all this work to come back, knowing they have no shot, that's that's the odd dynamic. I don't know that they would come back and maybe say, "Hey, the contending teams, you know, you have a play-in tournament for the seven and eight seeds." Yeah, okay. As of today, because if they said we're starting tomorrow, how good would that be? Well, I, I you think were, that would be like that would be like Olympic hockey good. Yeah, I th- I think that that's viable for hockey. The NBA is a gravy train because the eight seeds have distinct separation from the nine seeds, so you know the sixteen participants. But in the NHL standings, you got a bunch of teams fighting for the seven and eight seeds. Now someone's still going to get carved, but if you sit there and say, "Okay, the top three in each division as of today, you guys are in," uh, but let's break it down to four teams in the East, four teams in the West, vying to finish the regular season or at least to you know have some way to say the team that was a because if 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 you looked at it today a team that's in isn't actually in because they played an uneven amount of games and they'd have to go to win percentage and win percentage would actually move i believe it's Vancouver in hmm. so i, I think great. i think you'd have you'd have to do a play in you know if you took the bottom if you went 7 8 9 and 10 in the East and the West, and those four teams, there was like a mini playoff series to determine who's the seven and eight seeds, and then you go. And oh, by the way, the hockey could be amazing, 
because these guys are going to be coming back. And like Vegas, you get Pacioretty and Stone who are out. They're going to be back. Uh, there are other teams. You know, Colorado uh, had massive injuries. But also all those guys are going to be back. But collectively, you're going to have guys starting the playoffs that aren't just beat to a pulp from an 82-game schedule. They're all coming in fresh as a daisy. The hockey could be amazing. Yeah, it could. It really could. Well, we'll end on that positive note here, I guess, on this edition of Bang the Book Radio. Make sure you check out Brian's stuff, sportsbookradio.com, kshp.com, at Brian Blessing on Twitter. You've got the uh, hockey betting podcast as well. So plenty of ways to get Brian's stuff, and especially on Twitter, at Brian Blessing. But, Brian, appreciate your time as always, man. Thank you so much for joining me, and uh, we'll chat with you again next week. All right, pal. Hang in there. Stay safe, and hopefully better news in seven days' time, right? Hopefully. As always, there you go. Brian Blessing, once again, sportsbookradio.com, kshp.com, for Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline, and every Tuesday here on Bang the Book Radio. Coming up, I'm going to try to do a show on Wednesday with regards to the NFL draft. Going to try and get somebody to do that. If I don't, the betters box will return again on Thursday. Going to talk about some baseball movies, since we've all got plenty of time to sit around and do nothing and watch movies and Netflix and Hulu and all that. I'll talk, give you some of my thoughts on some of the baseball movies that have come out here uh, over the last well, however long. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again either tomorrow or Thursday.